All right, guys, welcome to Property Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Kaminsky, filling in for Dave Dubow. And if you've ever wondered how a dynamic husband and wife team went from zero to over 5 million in real estate properties in just a few years, all while leveraging social media and unique financing strategies, well, today's guest, Jesse Top of Top Developments, he's here to share their secrets to success and reveal how they've mastered the art of raising capital through social media. Jesse, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bryce. Uh, Sarah was going to be here, but we, we have multiple businesses and, and diff different projects of all different industries going on. So she kind of got pulled in a, a different direction today. So I wish she well, was here. Yeah, well, before the show, you mentioned that uh, you guys are expecting. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot, man. First child, 41 years old. Uh, hey. Super pumped about it. Yeah, the the... I thought about that too. I had my first son, uh, my my first child at 37. So yeah, you know, your back is going to feel it. Sometimes I wish I was like, oh, no wonder people had kids when they were 20 because they could like lift them up and throw them up. It's a lot easier, but uh, you know, we're going to live forever, right? This generation, we're never going to die. So yeah, I think um, it's better, man, having them older. It's like, I see what my parents and what other people have gone through. And this kind of relates with investing. It's like, you know, having kids in your twenties and it's a scramble and, you know, you see the financial struggles and, and still trying to build a husband and wife, trying to build their career and, you know, moving houses, like flip, trying to get to the house that they want for their family and being over leveraged and stress and all those mm -hmm. things where at our age, um, you know, we have, we have a couple of successful businesses. We have a bunch of properties, you know, we have some passive income coming in and some investments out. So for us, it's like, we welcome it. Uh, and, and we have a little bit of time and, you know, we have the resources financially and time-wise to, to invest in really and actually enjoy it too. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be able to actually enjoy it and yeah, you can do all the social media things with the, the baby dance yeah, and yeah. all that stuff that we were doing. And when, when we went, when I went through that with the, uh, with, with my first child there. So um, yeah. yeah, very exciting stuff. A lot of stuff that's going on for you guys, but let's start at the beginning. Like, Real estate, you know, usually has something to do with a rich dad, poor dad book, maybe in an airport somewhere. But tell me, how did uh, what you know? How did that seed get planted in your mind, and and ultimately, how did it grow to where it is today? Rich dad, poor dad, just like you said it, and it's awesome that you said it because you're you're in the industry as well. You know, I see all over the place. It's it's like so many people when you ask that question, that's the answer I hear. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and then for us, we were both influenced. Uh, well, I was influenced by my family. My uncle and my father were both into real estate at a young age. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, when Sarah and I actually got married uh, like five years ago, I said to my, I said to them, like, what would you have done differently? You know, give me the tips for successful marriage. And they give me that. I said, what about for building your wealth? And both of them said, I would have bought more real estate right away. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have let people talk me out of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that stuck with me in, our, in my mind. And then what really kicked with it, that like planted the seed. And then about eight months later, the government had closed our, we own gyms, we own fitness centers. So the government yeah. had closed them down for the third time. The first time we played okay. Second time I was a little disgruntled. They're big, they're like 10,000 square feet, you know, hundreds of members. They're not by any means small scale, lots of staffing, yeah. lots of overhead. So I said this, we were laying in bed and I, I didn't get really, I think actually I did get angry and Sarah was upset. I said, we got to do something because right now, you know, these people are controlling our future. So uh, we just looked at each other and said, let's do real estate, went online found a course and a mentor, booked a call the next morning, paid 15 grand, was in the mentorship. And then the rest was history. That's how we got started. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you can do it two ways. You can collapse the time frame, or you can spend your time and, and go through those things. So um, just out of curiosity, if you care to 
to let people know on that story because there is two ways you know some people just grind it out and they make some mistakes and they learn um is that how you approached the first business the first business was your gym or were you part of that like did you own that company did you build that company we built that from the ground up did you get uh, mentorship to build that always 100 percent and it's like they're expensive, right? A mentor is anywhere from a thousand to five thousand dollars a month. And when I tell somebody who's not in business, you know, that's how much is, it blows their mind. But for mm-hmm. me, it's like I've made, we've both made uber amounts of money and saved even more money by having a mentor to guide us through it. It's like if this guy's done it for twenty years, you know, he's made nine figures in the industry, and now he's gonna, I can pay him for his time to guide me through this with little mistakes low risk exposure, help build my capital. It's like, it's a no brainer. We still yeah. have mentors in the martial art, in the other uh, martial arts gyms too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah avoiding the mistakes and collapsing the time frames because we can always make more money, but we can't make more time. That's and it. So you can collapse that time frame. Um, you know, oh, I've got a very particular question. Get on the phone, mentor, text your mentor, get on exactly. the phone, next call. Oh, I got the answer. Now I'm on to the yeah. next problem. So, and your network. Uh, yeah. And the network that they can provide to you and the people yeah. that they connect, you can climb up that ladder. So you decided, you know, I was actually having that same conversation. I said, you know, there's no, they said, Oh, don't, don't go into real estate. This conversation actually happened uh, last night. Um, don't go into real estate, stick with a, a safe job. And I looked at them, I said, how safe is that job? Cause that job is somebody else's real estate. Like, yeah. That job can collapse too. And then now you're into the thing. I said, the only safe job is the one that you make for yourself in the end, you know, like there are very safe jobs. You can go work for the government and things like that. And, you know, there are security out there at an exchange for freedom. So you've been, a, I guess, a serial entrepreneur then how long you've been building businesses. Have you ever had a job? Uh, I have a job, but I hated them. I won't get fired because I'm just too stubborn and too pride prideful, I guess. But uh, I've honestly, like, like Gary Vee took my line, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's like, I, you know, and he's like, I was selling hockey cards or, or uh, you know, or whatever his story Baseball was. Baseball cards doing, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was doing the same thing. I was doing that. And this is no playoff, Gary. I don't I don't really care. It's just I was doing the exact same thing uh, as a young kid. Uh, I've always just had that, like, buy and sell mentality. And everybody who knows me growing up, it's, it's always been that way. And, 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 hey, I've had some really good highs and had some really, really good lows where, I, where I've gone under and and was able to build them back with that skill that I've built over years of like buying cheap, selling high, buying buying cheap, putting some work into it, selling for more money, and then just rolling that over. So yeah, yeah, it's um it's a skill that I didn't even know I had probably until I matured enough, like thirty five years old. I was like, this is actually a skill. Mm-hmm. I've had other jobs, but I hated working for somebody. It was I I literally dreaded it, and I just. You know, I just do it because that's what other people were doing. But um, once I realized, like, cut cut that free, cut that chain. It's like, I don't need to do this anymore. Took some risk. And uh, yeah, both my wife and myself work for ourselves. As a team. Yeah, the golden, uh, the golden handcuffs. Yeah. So you decide to go into real estate. You read some Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You yeah. get the mentor. Uh, do you care to tell people about what it was and um, who it was? Or do you want to keep that on the down low? No, I don't care. The real estate yeah. mentor, mentorship. Yeah, who who did you? What did you sign up for, and what did you get? And yeah, we joined with Mel and Dave Dupuis from uh, Action Family. So they're from North Bay, Ontario. Super yeah. cool couple, and they were a husband and wife team. Really cool yeah. dynamic. Um, Sarah and I hit them, hit it off with them right away. They were very resourceful. They have a massive network of other clients that they work with. 
um, yeah, and we, we kind of got intermingled in their circle and they explained seller financing. We had already been doing seller financing with some commercial properties mm-hmm. and they, when they showed us the system and then just the terminology of how to use it and then how to vet deals and, and, you know, open us up to their network. It just opened a, a ton of doors. Uh, we've since worked with other mentors and we still work with Mel and Dave. We're still into their mentorship, mostly for the networking now though. Yeah. I don't really go on the calls too much unless I have like a pressing problem, but mostly just for the network. There's a lot of lenders in there. There's a lot of people borrowing money in there. Uh, yeah, really they're connected. Returns. So uh, yeah, Mel and Dave. And then since then, I've gotten close with Ken Dunn. So Ken runs Cottage Dream Vacations, uh, Investor yep. Syndicate. Him and I are very, very close friends. Um, uh, him and I and Sarah and Ken's team, we see each other outside of real estate, at events. Uh, and, and yeah, we, we, we've, we work with them really closely now. Uh, on quite a few deals and it's been a good time they're they're a good group to get around a lot of fun yeah who doesn't like making a ton of money right well and together and hanging out and you know it is the five people you spend the most time with so if you look around you say okay who are the five people i spend the most time with in the books that i'm reading if the answer is i'm not reading anything and the five people are are further behind you know i always say like carry one in your four carry one person up with your four but you know, make sure that the other four are, uh, you know, either at your level or, or ahead, because right. it was like uh, on another call, they're like, you take on the problems of the people that you're in, yeah. the people that you're around. So if the problems of the five people you're with are like, oh, I didn't, I didn't hit my 2 million um, revenue mark this year. That's a good problem to have. But if it's like, I can't uh, buy food, then that's a, that's a problem that, that you will adopt. You will become part of that ecosystem. So let's talk about real estate, 5 million in property. How is it comp, you know, what was the first acquisition and what are you primarily composed of these days? Uh, we kind of have a diverse portfolio. So we have short-term rentals in the Caribbean, Dominican Republic. Well, I shouldn't say cool. rental now. We just off one and rolled it into another oceanfront. That's a good gig, right? It's it's easy for us to go down there. Uh, it's a nice getaway. And it's like, darn, us, we have to go check on our Caribbean rentals again. <laughs> wow. know, right? You can play the tax game a bit. And then for us, like for me and Sarah, the big draw was uh, we knew we were going to have our first child before he gets to school. I want, we want to take him down there for a few months at a time, you know, so he's exposed to not just white Canadian culture. Not that I'm, it doesn't matter to me, but there's just, that's the way it is where we live. I wanted him to see other stuff. There's, you know, not everybody down there plays hockey, uh, people surf and they play mm-hmm. you know, a lot of soccer, which isn't really popular where we're from. So I wanted him yeah. to be exposed to that. And then, uh, so we have that. And then we have some commercial buildings, which are owner occupied, uh, all done through seller financing. And that's, that's really our big, big play. Uh, I love it. I love sending the people who we purchased the buildings from. I love sending them their interest money. Uh, it's a high interest rate and people think I'm crazy or we are crazy for paying it. And we're absolutely not. They're great people. And if they're making money off of their long-term investment and we're able to to u- utilize the building and then in 20 years, that will be our long-term investment. It, it's a win-win-win. Didn't have to deal with any banks. Uh, we we just built a house this year. Uh, it's multi-living. So uh, it has two units in it where we live and then another condo downstairs. It's on the golf course. And then we just purchased just by just because of actually we got bored. I was like, Let, let's do something. So then we have a, another residential that we're getting into rooming houses. So um, rooms are highly sought after with the way the rental market is right now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, especially where we are geographically. So yeah, we just built a rooming house, uh, added a lift to it, probably do a refi in the spring, just kind of, like I said, just kind of playing out this parenting thing a bit. And then uh, we'll jump back in 
Yeah, really soon. I think the market right now, a lot of people are scared about the market and interest and all that. If you're an investor, right now is the time. There's there's no competition. You know, you can get under, you can get way, way underpriced properties. People want to get rid of them. People are getting scared. Mm -hmm. These are all things as an investor I'm looking for. I don't want to go in when the interest is at zero or when prices are really, really low. I want to get those deals that are, you know, under the radar that people need to offload quick. Plus, as you know, Bryce, people are over leveraged. People in Canada especially spend way more money than they have to or they should or they Mm -hmm. think they can. And the bank was giving it out for so long that a lot of these, you know this, and, and any real good investor knows this, a lot of people are over leveraged. They're going paycheck to paycheck. Well, yeah. when their mortgages come due, you see it on the news. When their mortgages come due and they're going up five points, like if they've got like a 1% mortgage and now it's going to be six, seven, eight percent, mm-hmm. they ain't going to make the cut. I, I know it's already happening. I've seen I've see, I see it happening. I hear about it happening. So and I feel sorry for those people. But um, hey, like I said in the beginning, I've made some mistakes and, and I've lost a lot of stuff through those mistakes. Maybe that's a mistake they'll have to learn from. I know that sounds cold, but man, if you're over leveraged, that's, that's how people fail. If you're over leveraged. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's the same with business too. Is like yeah. if you're scaling for the sake of scaling, like do the numbers because, um, you know, like a lot of people, and you probably get this in business all the time with your other businesses as well. They're like, hey, just keep scaling up, scaling. Why don't you scale more, scale more? It's like, no, yeah, maybe appropriately. It's yeah. the same thing, you know. What I've got a friend who's in deck and fence, and you don't build beyond the spec for the load bearing of that piece of of wood right yeah. and the same with your business and the same with your your real estate portfolio don't extend beyond the the weight restriction of of your finances because it'll all collapse nice so said. so well said. um well yeah the whole side of the house rips off it's like oh well, let's go an extra two feet and, and maybe it holds but guess what there's a maybe reason that the specs are there maybe it doesn't so like don't take the risk now i like what you're doing with your blend of the portfolio um, where, where do you plan to, to take it in the next uh, position? You know, we were talking a little bit about top, you know, acquiring more things and what, what you see coming up. And I like what you said also about, you don't want to buy when the market's up. There was tons of people oversaturating and overbidding things because it was like popular or trendy to, to be in real estate, especially since the pandemic, when the 0% money was out and that was, that's a great way to get in, but these people will have to um, renew their mortgages when they bought a three or a five and we're in 2023 and 2024 and 2025. Like it's, it, the storm is coming and the banks are, are trying to like, especially in Canada, they're trying to mitigate that risk yeah. to their own business because, yeah. you know, if they have a bunch of defaults and the whole, the whole thing is going to become a kind of a mess and they're going to need guys such as us to come in and you know, clean up some of the mess. Now you mentioned commercial. Are you talking like apartments? Are you talking about like leased commercial offices, things like that? I I like that because like being in business myself, Sarah and I both, we understand, you know, any business is the same relatively. It's like sales come in, revenue comes in, don't overspend, keep your expenses low, have good staffing, have good legalities and a team in place and, and have good bookkeeping. So for us, with all that being said, we understand that game. I really like the commercial end of stuff. So, you know, commercial units, strip malls, uh, warehousing, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. It, it's higher money. It's generally less problems. If they are problems, they're problems which are larger scale, like, a, you know, a large flat roof. I don't have to go and chase down a bunch of roofing guys uh, to do a shingle roof. A large flat roof, you generally you are getting some highly skilled people in to do yeah. it. 
it's just a larger scale. And, and I like it because I can understand and I can look at a business model with all due humility. I'm not, I'm not perfect. If I can't do it, I have other people that will. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can look at a business model and look and see if it's a viable business, not to like you, I'll use an example, not, not to come down on like a vape shop, but if a vape shop was to approach me um, about a, a renting a space as compared to uh, a chiropractor clinic, you know, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. And some people I see doing the deal with, with the vape shop and that's cool. It, I'm sure that they've covered their risk exposure there. But for me, it's like understanding the business aspect of a business itself makes it a lot easier as a commercial landlord or a commercial owner to understand what kind of businesses will suit the space for long-term or whatever the goal that we're looking for. So for us, we're kind of focusing on commercial right now. I also, I'll be honest, just like a, not a passion thing, but I really want to get this, um, I'd really like to buy a nice place down in the Caribbean or down in Florida uh, that that's undervalued, that needs some work, uh, put some work into it, get some contractors down there, lift it, and then use it, um, use it for like a, you know, an Airbnb, but a high end Airbnb. Mm-hmm. There's also, um, you know, as you imagine, I talk to people on the show all day and uh, Costa Rica is another one that yeah. uh, has some interesting real estate to to investigate in some great weather apparently never been but i've seen pictures and it looks great so yeah a lot of uh, people that are going down to costa rica right now we looked at costa rica and, and i can't remember what it was the reason we didn't one i already had contacts and we both already had contacts in dominican republic um the area that we're in we really really liked i can't remember what it was about costa rica oh apparently it's hard to get in and out apparently yeah, it's something it, it, about it flights and in and out the cost in costa rica is quite high the, the live so it, it's like comparable to Canada, um, maybe a little bit more expensive. And for us, like I said, eventually, we, you know, in the next few years, I'd like to be down there for probably four or five months of the year. And I just didn't want to have to be paying like, uh, you know, $10 for a, a case of water type of thing. Yeah. So just yeah, kind of the cost of living. Yeah. The cost of living was a bit higher than what we wanted. There was so else, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of things. I mean, you can, I think ultimately it just has to make sense on paper and, and yeah. I'm a real big believer in that real estate is a tool um, and you have to know what you want to be able to use it. It can do pretty much anything you want it to do, but you have to first understand um, what you want it to do for you before you can start effectively using it in that way. So um, interesting what you said is the the long-term exposure of your commercial units, like the chiropractor is going to stick around five years, six years, 10 years, maybe, maybe they go, maybe they go belly up like the vape shop in a year. Yeah. But, it's interesting too, is like when I, when I heard you say that, it's like vape shots are trendy, you know, that That's might be a trend. Vape shots. Chiropracting. Yeah. Chiropracting is not a trend. It, it's no. still here. It will still be here. Yeah. And you know, you never know when the government's going to clamp down and say no more vape shops too. That's right? what I mean. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, with, with all the things that you're, you're doing, you've created a space now where you're able to actually have the time freedom to yes. experience this birth of, of your first child. Now, um, a lot of people don't get that opportunity. Yep. And so how are you as a business owner um, preparing for the fact that you're planning to maybe not dial back, but you're going into like a holding position. Yes. Um, what are you doing as far as like virtual assistants and management people and who are you That's plugging in question. so that you can unplug? Yeah, great question. Yeah, it's like if I if you would have talked to me three years ago, I would have been asking that, probably four years ago, I would have been asking that question. So the first thing is we work as a husband and wife team 
And uh, we have found a way, which some people say you must be crazy, but I'm actually not. Sarah and I, we, we work like we mesh well together. We know exactly where our strengths are. I know where mine are and I know where my shortfalls are. And so does Sarah. So we, we work really, really well together that way. So to help other people, if you, if I'm not saying to jump in business with your wife or your, or your partner, but if you, if you have somebody that you're working close with that you can trust enough and that probably, in my opinion, if they have some sort of skin in the game, some sort of equity or shares, uh, that, that is key because now it's like, now it's not just one person doing it, right? There's two of us and we can kind of conquer and divide. Uh, and then no one being humble enough to know where you're good and being, you know, uh, confident enough to know where you're, or sorry, humble enough to know where you're not good and confident enough to know when you're good. We, I leverage a lot of assistance. I've always done that. So, uh, once we realized what route we were really going to go into, uh, we hired virtual assistants. So I have one virtual assistant that I've used for five years. We're very close. He's in uh, mm -hmm. Pakistan. Um, and we've done a bunch of stuff back and forth. He's, I, I lean on him quite often for uh, data entry, spreadsheets, things that are time consuming that I don't want to sit down and do. Uh, we also utilize uh, in our other businesses, we spend a lot of time working on systems um, and having having those systems written down in a book or, or a video series where you know, yeah. a manager can manager has resources to pass on to a new staff member that comes on and having everything laid out um, so that so that it can be systemized and followed without having to call us on a day to day basis. There's still mm -hmm. some, a few phone calls, but in, in, as a whole, it's like I can go hands off of the, the gyms for you know weeks at a time and uh, it runs. So that having good people around you. Right. That we hear people a lot of say that. And, and I'll be honest with you. A lot of people have a hard time with this, but pay the people that are with you. If, if we've got a couple of people that are close to us and, and these people make good money, we make good money as well, but they make good money. Don't just, don't just take the big basket of money for yourself and your, your partner or whatever, make sure that your team gets a piece of everything so that, you know, that they don't, they're not going to, to, to start up beside you and, and they're not yeah, going to start the gym next door. Right. It's painful. It's just all around bad. So if people are with you, we built, we've built ourselves an inner circle. We've been building it for quite a while. And those people, you know, we listen to them and what they want done, we try to make happen. And if we help them, it's great. And if they can help us, it goes two ways. And then, and then utilizing uh, our, our, um, our mentors, you mm -hmm. know, that, that's pretty much, that's the, that's the secret. Yeah. I, I like what you said about documented leadership. Cause you, you know, you yeah. have a lot of business owners who will do the same training every single time and they'll do the same training, the same training. So, um, I've really started leveraging that in my businesses, like documented leadership. So I can stop repeating myself. Like yeah. I'm saying the same thing, you know, I just started, started the, the marketing company back up now that things are kind of heating back up in the real estate market. And I'm saying the same damn things over and I'm thinking you're saying, Oh, systems and, and documented leadership. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I gotta, I gotta go and do the, do the video. So, um, and really like with technology like this, you could easily jump on a zoom, record this meeting. We're recording this meeting and you know, it, it's done one and done and done forever. And if you don't like it, update it. So, yeah, so people don't want to do it, Bryce, because it sucks straight well, up. I don't want to sit down on a Friday afternoon and make videos all day about how to do operating procedures. But that's the last time you do it. Close. It sucks. But I'll tell you, it pays back the dividend and the return on the investment of the time that I put into those videos. And we make those series and then run our staff room, tweak them here and there. And I'm using it six years later. It's like, oh, OK, that, that was well, well worth it.
right? Yeah. I just started doing that with the real estate training, uh, you know, the side real estate training that I do. And I finished this video series and I realized now I never have to say that stuff again. I can just send it to people and they can learn um, and they can learn it over and over and over again. And I don't have to like sit there and do one-on-one -on -one with them. And if yeah. they have questions about it, then your staff can come to you and say, you know, in video three, uh, you'd mentioned this about the way that we clean the gym and Yes. And then you can actually go and tighten it up and that question goes away. So really, uh, really interesting. So you're finding you're, a lot of your stuff is creative financing. Um, are you seeing that coming up more and more? Yeah. And yeah. how are you identifying these, these um, people? I mean, without giving away the secret sauce, um, how do you find these people? What's their motivation to continue holding financing for you? Well, the people that we existing that we have existingly, I mm -hmm. give them full asking price. Or most people come in and they'll they'll start to try to like lowball the property. Yeah, they want to they want both the price and the terms. Like they give them the price and then maybe you can get the terms. So full price plus then now you're negotiating the VTB. So tell us why would anyone, you know, for people who haven't gone into creative financing, because I've dabbled in it a bit, I haven't had any success really because you know it just hasn't played out. Not all deals are deals, but how are you navigating or why, I guess to give people some insight, why would anyone want to stay in the deal and finance you? Tons of reasons. So it sounds great. We all, we live in Canada. You're in Canada as well, right? Mm -hmm. Winnipeg. Yeah. Okay. So it's great. So it sounds great. You know, you buy a million dollar commercial building, which is a cheap commercial building for the record. Yep. So a million dollars, this person bought the building 30 years ago. They, it's paid off. They bought it for 400,000. It's now paid. They've ran their businesses. So now they're going to cut a million dollar check. And when you cut them a million dollar check, or you're going to cut this person a million dollar check, right? You're going to get financing, traditional financing, CMHC, bank, yeah. whatever, BDC. They take that million dollars. How much of that million dollars are they going to have left after the federal government takes their piece? Maybe sixty percent. Yeah, maybe, maybe, right? Depending depends on, on their stack strategies and stuff, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, it's going to get. There's a little bite. <laughs> That's a yeah, bite. Exactly right. And, and like, who wants to lose that when you're doing a million dollar deal and they're losing at least, let's say, let's be very general here. 200,000 are going to lose in taxes. Okay. And yeah, we, that's fair. That's fair. That, that's a, that's an average number. If they have a good accountant, maybe a bit less, whatever. So what about when the deal's 3 million? Now they're losing over half a million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money. So, you know, that's a whole other building that they could use that, that could fund somebody's retirement that could give their kids, uh, set their kids up with a house in today's market. Mm -hmm. So when, when I approach them, I explain it to them. And most people don't know about creative financing. I have found in the commercial space, more people do know about it because it's a high ticket item. It's very difficult to get commercial financing for the average person. That's not, you know, high net worth. Mm -hmm. um, so, so they are either commercial, they already know about it, or they're open to it because the number's so big. Single family dwelling, residential, a little bit harder. It's a less, it's a yeah, smaller you do education. Of taxation. So they're a little bit less. Uh, open to it and a lot of times i find in single down dwellings they don't they don't know about it they don't even know what it is mm -hmm. they think it's a, mm -hmm. some sort of scam so the best way to do it what's to find these deals is one as soon as a broker contacts me which we can talk about the social media thing and this is how i, I get a lot of deals is people contact sarah and i because we're all over social media Mm -hmm. showing what we do and some people see it as being arrogant but it's actually not at all it's just to create awareness so like hey this is what we're doing and then I talk about it a bit, you know, on the Facebook story, Instagram, lives, webinars, stuff like this, podcasts. And then, it, you know, some people, it might not hit everybody, but the odd person, it does. I say, I want to know more about that. 
So then I explain it to them. It's like, you know, you're not going to get a million dollar check off the front, but I'll throw some skin in the game. How about I'll give you a couple hundred thousand. You mm-hmm. hold the fine. I'll give you full asking price. I'll give you a couple hundred thousand liquid cash so you guys can go and enjoy, you know, a few golden years for yourselves or whatever, buy another place. And then you hold financing for me on the other 800,000 that say eight or nine points on a commercial, which is pretty reasonable for me and very good for them. If you do the math on that, the the interest that they accumulate over a 20 year deal is astronomical. It's like they've sold two buildings. Plus Mm -hmm. I like call it drip cash. So they get drip cash every month. You know, it's a ceiling effect. If you hand somebody a hundred dollars, they're going to spend ninety nine dollars. But every mm-hmm. month, if, if we're cutting checks for four or five thousand dollars to X, Y, Z, these people are basically getting a very, very heavy pension on top of their their pension that they've already. It's built. like a reverse mortgage for them. They've already paid it down, and now you're paying it back. Now they're getting it back with interest, which with today's market, anywhere you know, some of the deals we have are six to fifteen percent, mm-hmm. and they're getting you know, a lot of times we won't pay capital back; we'll just pay interest which then there's a whole tax play with the tax-free savings accounts and RSPs that you can go through. Uh, there's just a lot of advantages for a seller to, to do vendor takebacks. I'll tell you this, when I go to sell out, when I cash out, when Sarah and say, we're done, we're moving down south, we're buying a yacht, that's what we're doing. I will hold financing on all of our space because that's drip cash for us all, all mm-hmm. along for the, for the rest of our life, right? And, well, and it's interesting too, because I've when whenever I've been doing those type of deals and negotiating, some of those guys bought it with vendor financing. Yep. And so they're like, oh, that's just like how I did it when I yep. was 35 or 45 or whatever. Right. So they they are aware and the education's a lot shorter. It's usually an, like I just saw a, a commercial strip just came across the table uh, last night from one of my agents, a million bucks. They want, I don't know, like 50 or 75 down. It's already tenanted. The thing makes, you know, 10 grand a month. Yeah. So I could, I could take, you know, as long as I bring that that seed money to the table, they'll take it. And I have another uh, older uh, gentleman with apartment blocks. He says, you know, you want two nine unit buildings, you know, bring me 50K and they're all yours. I just want 5,500 a month and you can take oh, the brilliant. other four grand. And so these VTBs are possible. I just want everyone at home to know you still got to raise a little bit of capital to put that money on the table to take control of these assets. It's not a zero down thing. Sometimes you can get even more creative and figure out a way to like, you know, money back it and things like that with equity. But the reality is we still got to learn to raise capital. And you mentioned social media is where you do it. So tell us a little bit about that. Raising capital is the hardest thing. Plain and simple. It can be. Some people are born with the silver spoon and they come with a little bit of capital, but like the rest of us, (laughs) we're we're all attracted to the no money down because guess what? That's about as much as we had when we started. Well, that's how that's how the middle class or that's how average people get started, right? Yeah. I was not being built with a silver spoon, nor was Sarah. We just have a bunch of work ethic. We're honest. We operate with integrity. Like those are things that matter. And you may not think people are watching, but people are always watching, especially always. right now, right? It's like social media is everywhere. Everybody has a phone in their pocket. There's cameras everywhere. You know, if you put yourself out there, people are watching. People, I watch people, they don't even know I'm watching them. It's kind of creepy sounding, but it's true. Mm-hmm. I want to see what they're doing, right? So for us, we really, uh, we utilize one networking. So we're fortunate enough when we built the gyms, we have a lot of great clients there that trust us that have been doing business with this for seven or eight years. So when it comes time to raise a bit of capital, um, you know, these people are trusting us with their kids. We I train a lot of kids uh, in the mm-hmm. evenings in martial arts. And, 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 you know, they have some money kicking around. It, it's nothing for them and they want to come in. So 
So how I do it is I make it good for us both. I don't, I don't grind them out for a couple of points on the interest. If they want 15%, sure, I'll give you 15%. Mm. I just have to make sure that that reflects into the purchase price of my deal to make sure the numbers work. Mm-hmm. We, we really leverage social media, um, just letting people know, you know, the, the people read about it and they see it on TV and they read about it uh, in the paper or wherever they're getting their information, but it's nobody they know doing mm-hmm. it. Like you, mm-hmm. you could post vendor take backs, but they read it. Oh, that's kind of neat. But as soon as somebody already knows you, it's that no like trusting, right? As soon as somebody knows you, they like you. And then when you start talking about creative finance, vendor take back, commercial building, hey, I'm paying 15% on this loan. Hey, we're borrowing money or we're lending money at this. And they already know and like you and trust you. And then you start being their their resource for the information. It, it's not, I wouldn't want to say easy, but it just, it, it just builds awareness around what you're doing to where we used to approach people, but now we just, we get approached. And now we have a list of people, small circle. We borrowed, borrowed from, we pay back, borrow from, pay back. They've made a bunch of money. I've had, I've had some of them take their families on vacation from the interest and come home. Like, man, you basically paid for my family vacation. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, but you, you basically helped me buy this million dollar property. So it's a win-win. And, and when you hand them back their capital, give them a big handshake, you call them up three months later for another deal. They're answering the phone guaranteed one ring. Hey, what's yeah, up? They're like, Whoa, you got more, more opportunity for me. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. one thing that I want to key in on for people who are trying to raise capital. They're like, why would anyone give us money? We are bringing opportunity yeah. that they need to deploy. Like people are always worried. Like, why would they give us money? Why would they invest? Because they're not aware of opportunity. Like we, we find opportunity and people yeah. want opportunity. And that's how we're able to raise capital because they're not aware of what they can do with their money. And when we make them aware, now the next call, oh, opportunity's calling. And right it's, away. Uh, and it's right. Jesse. Hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> they know I'm not calling to check on them. I'm like, hey, I got a deal. You guys interested? Yeah, sure. When do you want to meet? Funny enough, everybody's schedules gets opened up. And it's fun. It's like you, you, you become, build this relationship with people. And when they're making good money and you're making good money, as soon as you see each other, it's like a big smile with a handshake because you know something good could come of this, right? But that also being said, I made it sound very good. And so have you. You're obviously very experienced in this as well. It's like you have to deliver. You can't, yeah. I cannot go and raise capital on a shitty deal or a crappy deal where the numbers don't work because I like the location of it for me. It, mm-hmm. it just can't happen. It's like, and that's where people also get in over their head. They think this is a great deal. And, oh, I think this has so much potential. It's like, yeah, I need to see the spreadsheets. I need to see the numbers before we go any farther. Comparables, big, big thing, right? To make sure that you're going to get the money. Uh, it's going to play out the need the way you need to. When we first started one or two extra strategies, no problem. We're now like this deal we just did on this rooming house. I needed to have minimum three. Sarah and I talked about it. So we need to have three exit strategies, best case, worst case, uh, and even worst case if the market does go right, right under. Yeah. So I think having your exit strategy is probably one of the most important things. What I've found with lenders and being a lender is I want to see the, I want to see your exit strategy. Yeah. And if I even say it and the person hesitates like, oh, well, you know, we're, I'm already, it's a red flag. The exit strategy has to be so well planned out on paper. And, and when someone pitches it to me, if I'm if I'm lending and Sarah's lending, then we need to see it on paper. I need to see exactly what it looks like. I don't want words and wishy. I just, there's a few. Well, ways. it could go this way. And if yeah, it goes that, up, like, no. well, as soon as I hear well, it's like, oh man. Well, and then another thinking, right? <laughs> I know a guy, and this is, a, here's to challenge you a little bit. I was talking to a guy uh, about, uh, he does bigger uh, multifamilies and stuff and he and short-term rental. And he says, 
I always have seven exit strategies. Yeah. So he plans seven on every acquisition. Yeah. So like more than three. And when I when I heard that, I was like, I started racking my brain like seven. Okay, well, I can't even on some of these properties. And and one thing that what I like what you said is you got to be a steward of the money. If you're yeah. not a steward of the money, um, you know, bad deals happen. Yep. Sometimes you just can't avoid happen. it. Stock market crashes, real estate changes, things change. It's not called the real estate invest. It's called investing. So it, it you can mitigate risk, but it's called mitigated risk and risk yeah. is part of the game. So it doesn't always go perfectly, but if we can, you know, try to be the steward of the money and, and say, you know, don't fall in love with your deals and, and fall in love with the numbers. And if the numbers are where it's at, then you can probably go further into that. Um, we could talk, we could go on all day and I'm sure, I'm sure in conversations it, it does, but more importantly, if people want to talk to you all day and get to know you and connect with you, how should they do that? Where should they go? Uh, social media, number one, uh, Instagram. So Jesse top on Instagram, top developments, and then Sarah top on Instagram. Um, you'll see my wife, beautiful blonde hair, nice profile picture. And then I'm in a suit. Um, and then, uh, so Instagram, number one, uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the social media platforms, YouTube. Uh, and yeah, please, please do reach out. If you have a deal you, you're looking to look at or you're looking to partner with or you have some financing you want help with, I'm happy to offer like some, you know, uh, some decent quick advice or I can mm -hmm. point you into a mentorship that, that would work for people. I just wanted to send one more thing out. Uh, and, and I've heard people say that just, just to give anybody watching this, if you're like thinking about getting into it and what do you do first and all oh, you need to have a lot of people think they need to have like, oh, I need to have 20% down and all this. Listen, you, you don't need that. You just need a little bit of skin in the game. We bought places with like literally 5,000 bucks at cat liquid cash and then just borrowed the rest. There yeah. are so many deals out there that um, are just looking to be scooped up. You need to have a good team. But the number one thing that I, I hear and I've heard it for years is location, location, location. And it is almost hear it so much that it doesn't hold as much value as it used to, but it is true. If you buy in a place that's geographically makes sense, so short-term rental places, you know, it, it's a little bit played out right now in Canada because the, what the government's doing with the rules and stuff, but mm -hmm. the Caribbean, people are always going to take their kids and their family and travel down to the Caribbean and want to be by the water on vacation. Number mm -hmm. two is find a place that has great economy. So an up and coming place, up and coming mean like for us, uh, we have a power plant that's up the road. It's not going to shut down. The government's backed it. It's ready to go. The property is only going to go up. And then mm -hmm. number three is water. Everybody wants to be on the water. And yeah, water is a big ticket item. Like a lot of places you can't get on the water for less than seven figures. But that property is never going to go down ever. Everybody has always wanted to be on the water for the last 50 years. And that's not mm -hmm. going to change. So if you're looking to get into those, remember that. Remember those three things economy water and up and coming towns that's 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 the biggest thing yeah well that's uh again like i said we could go we could go all day and uh, i really appreciate the the advice and um you know people starting out definitely they're gonna have to take a, a second listen to this because there's a lot of a lot of knowledge in this particular episode i really appreciate your time jesse yeah awesome man it's been great thank you for having me on thank you and until next time guys we'll catch you on the next episode